Welcome to The Mortgage Life, a space for down-to-earth conversations about how mortgages contribute to your life. Well, that sounds canned and maybe a little boring. What? There are so many parts to the mortgage industry and real estate finance we can explore and share with our listeners. Okay, you're right. You're right, Mindy. Our goal is to help secure our clients' financial future. I'm Pete Salamosi. I'm Mindy Bodwin. And I'm Sue Salamosi. We're your hosts. Welcome to The Mortgage Life. All right. Today we have a special guest and it is Chris Mahalshin from BDO and we're super happy to have him here. Uh, and the, the, the reason that I actually have Chris's name and the reason that we have him here is because way back at the start of my career in accounting, I worked for, I'm going to say I, I worked for because she was a partner. I worked for Donna Mahalshin, which is Chris's mom. Uh, when I was at KPMG. So, Chris, welcome to our podcast. Thanks for having me. So, I love that we brought up the mom thing <laughs> right away. Yeah. Mom. <laughs> Something about being in a small town and like following in your parents' footsteps and oh, yeah. uh, doing similar things and, and what you grew up with. I, too, uh, work with my mom. Yeah, it seems to be pretty common around yeah. here. Like generational. One of my first jobs was working for my mom, who was also an accountant. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's deep in our blood here. Numbers. So, Chris, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and yeah. what you do? Yeah. So, I'm a licensed insolvency trustee with BDO here in Vernon. So, my career started right around university. So, you believe it or not, I did a degree in wood products processing. I wanted to go work in management at sawmills and wood processing. And the year I graduated, the forest industry kind of went belly up. So, then I was looking for another direction. And it seemed like a lot of us in the program kind of gravitated towards the accounting field. So I started with KPMG in Kelowna in the insolvency group as like a junior, junior admin role, data input, stuffing boxes, doing pretty menial stuff and just kind of grew. Well. Yeah. <laughs> and just kind of yeah, and just kind of grew from there. Like they kept giving me more and more responsibilities and I took it on gladly. And then someone approached me, hey, do you want to maybe become a licensed insolvency trustee one day? And I kind of looked at it and went, yeah, this is an interesting field. But first I wanted to do my accounting designation, get my CPA, because it seemed like it was a good foundation for work going into the insolvency field. And at one time you needed to have an accounting designation to become a licensed insolvency trustee. So I first went and did my um, CMA, CPA designation, kind of by correspondence, kind of learning while I worked, got that, and then started into the um, CIRP designation, Chartered Insolvency Restructuring Professional, which then allows you to become a licensed insolvency trustee. So this is interesting. This is a whole aspect of accounting that I'm not familiar with at all. I oh, mean, absolutely. Could you even define what an insolvency trustee or even what insolvency means. Yeah, and it's a really small field. So like the CPA, the accounting field across Canada, there's thousands and thousands across the country. Licensed insolvency trustees, there's only about a thousand of us nationwide. Like it's a very mm -hmm. small uh, industry. So insolvency, I would define kind of as someone not being able to meet their debts as they become due. You know, they're falling behind <clears throat> on paying off their credit. And so then they have to find an alternative solution to get out from under their, their debt load. It's a very industry word, insolvency. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. I was just writing down the word insolvency when Mindy asked the question. So we're very in sync here. Yeah. <laughs> in sync. Um, 
Okay, so then we, we talk about insolvency, we talk about falling behind on debt, yeah. and we see that quite often where we can help um, as far as using equity in a home if, if that exists. Yeah. So can you talk to us more about what is credit, what is a credit score, mm -hmm. and how does that all work within your profession? Yeah, so I would say credit is obtaining something, usually money, from someone else with the expectation that you're going to repay it at a certain point in time. And then how I fit into it is when you go, oh, shoot, I have no ability to repay this loan. What are my options for dealing with it at that point? And so we would, I guess, be kind of a step in between that yes. where mm -hmm. they could mm -hmm. potentially still get a second mortgage or draw on some of that equity, as Sue mentioned. Or a consolidation loan, maybe like a secured line of credit or a second mortgage or something like that. Yeah, like mm -hmm. nowadays with the, the rise in real estate, prices more and more times we are suggesting to debtors to go to approach usually it's their primary their their secured lender or then people like yourselves to be able to get them into a maybe a consolidation secured loan or a second place mortgage to get out from under their unsecured debt load for sure typically with the consolidation loan um stuff we are referring borrowers to banks as well because we typically just work with Stuff that's secured against the house. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. The uh, the other thing that I wanted to pipe in there about is we've talked a little bit in this conversation about secured and unsecured. Mm -hmm. So just to clarify, so mm -hmm. a secured debt is simply something, so a lending that is based on uh, a tie-in to something like your house. So that would be secured against your house. That's why they call it secured. Uh, on the other side, unsecured lending would be things that would uh, essentially go on your credit score or your goodwill to be able to pay it back. So for instance, if I took out a loan from the bank to buy a motorcycle, typically that loan, if it's not tied to the motorcycle, is just purely a promise to pay back. The bank is not going to typically go after the motorcycle. There are ways for the bank to tie it to the motorcycle, but in most cases not. Uh, similarly, something like a loan for um, a furniture, that might also be the same, or a line of credit, if it's unsecured, will also be not tied to anything in particular. And then maybe add to that, Peter, that typically the interest rates on secured loans are a lot uh, lower than those for unsecured loans. You got it. Because the, the lender, the bank, has some ability to collect on their debt if the debtor fails to pay. They can reclaim that security by legal means. Exactly. So for a consolidation loan, and I'm using my quote yeah. unquote, because there's times <laughs> where I have conversations with clients where we do a refinance, use a HELOC, mm -hmm. consolidate debt. Um, but I've also seen it where could they go to some sort of insolvency scenario where they get a true consolidation loan? Yeah, you would be talking a uh, consumer proposal, That's which is okay. a legal basically a legal consolidation loan one that's administered by the federal government and that's legally binding to all parties okay so let's get into that just after we talk about how a person gets into trouble yeah so how would they do that uh lot i mean with the pandemic a lot of it was incurring additional debt just to make ends meet losing their jobs or becoming employed at a job with a, a lot lower income and then looking at their monthly budget and going, oh, shoot, I have no ability to repay this high interest debt. Gotcha. 
So other scenarios that I've seen are um, spousal separations yep, divorce. where um, party A is left with the home and mm-hmm. they qualify for the mortgage and they try making the payments, but ultimately their income just doesn't support that. I've seen some see consumer proposals and bankruptcies result um, from that. Maybe renovations gone wrong. Yeah. True. Or um, a tax bill coming back to bite you or haunt oh, you, yeah. owing yeah. a big chunk of change to CRA. And now maybe CRA, now that the pandemic's mm-hmm. over, they're starting to ramp up their collection action again. So maybe they're going to start going into your bank account, scooping funds, or sending a letter to your employer just to give them the first 30%. Yeah, and that CRA debt, um, it does accumulate quickly, at yeah. very high interest rate. Um, th- that's one of the debts that you want to erase from your uh, debt load for sure. So we've, we've talked about all these different types of debt, secured, unsecured, and how they appear. Mm-hmm. Um can we define them between good debt versus bad debt? Essentially, I mean, we've, we, those terms are thrown around a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I would define good debt versus bad debt simply the interest rate, right? Or, you know, you're acquiring this debt for a benefit to yourself. Like you're incurring debt to acquire an asset, a house, or to better an asset. I'm going to get a, an unsecured line of credit to do renovations on my home you're going to see the betterment in that because the equity in your home possibly could increase. So even though you're incurring debt, maybe there's an upside that five years down the road when you go to sell the home, your the increase in value from that renovation exceeds the value of the debt you incurred to, to obtain it. Uh, other types of bad debt, I would say, would be um, payday loans. I don't know if you guys have seen yeah. the John Oliver... Um, oh, I said last yeah too week, soon. <laughs> last week tonight episode he did on payday lending, and it basically showed the business model from a payday lender, and it was a circle. It was debtor obtains the payday loan, they repay it from their next paycheck, but then they're broke and they have to obtain another payday loan. And so you're basically you can nev- once you're in you can Vicious never get like, out really. Right. Yeah. It's it's built to put you behind. Yeah. Yeah. I remember in Whitehorse, and this might be offside. The payday loan company was beside the only liquor store in town. (laughs) So it's strategic. For sure. One of the other things that I think of when it comes to good debt versus bad debt is is just like what what Chris said, which is that if you're buying something with that debt that has a potential for appreciation, we don't always know that real estate's going to go up, but there's a good chance that it will stay fairly level. Looking long term, it does have an upward trend in values. So that's always a good thing. Bad debts tend to be things that may not appreciate or may just be a fleeting uh, glimpse. So if you're taking it out a loan, for instance, to go on a vacation, probably not the best idea. Yeah. Saving up for that might be a bit better. So if you're looking at someone who's in credit trouble, they've come to your office mm-hmm. and they've presented you with their scenario. Um, what are some strategies that you give them before taking that step to go through yeah, the legal I mean, process? The, the first one, I say this all the time, is just you need to have a good sense of your monthly budget. What is your income coming in from all sources? What are your monthly expenditures? Is it a net positive at the end? Is it a net negative at the end? Are there ways you can trim your budget? Are there expenses that maybe you're not thinking of that you are actually spending each month, but you just kind of pay by debit and you don't actually realize how much it costs? Smoking, drinking, morning coffees out at Starbucks, it all adds up, right? So. Yep first step is to get a sense of your complete monthly budget look at all the sources 
think of all those one-off expenditures. You have tire changeover twice a year. So maybe a new set of tires, that's a thousand bucks right there. Christmas gifts could be a thousand dollars or more one-time hit. Factor all these things in, look at it on a month by month basis and see what your budget looks like. So essentially go do a a massive bank account reconciliation yeah, overhaul. Yeah, the, the way I would approach it is, I mean, if you do it, whatever means you prefer, like I don't mm-hmm. want you to force you force you to do something that just doesn't work for you. Myself, I'm good with Excel spreadsheets. So we just do it on an Excel spreadsheet. And so we have different columns for each type of expense and we just plunk in each expense. At the bottom, it does a total for that expense for the month. And then we can see how we did towards our budget. And it was quite eye-opening. We hadn't done a budget since before we had kids. And now that we had kids, we budgeted, okay, this is how much we think we spend on food and fuel and all these things. And it was eye-opening. We were exceeding our budget amounts halfway through the month sometimes. Did you build your own spreadsheet? Yes. I'm very interested in this spreadsheet. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's like, be realistic. Live within your means. Don't live outside your means. Yeah. Um, I see all the time from my perspective, um, auto loans, for example, mm-hmm. uh, the qualification on auto loans is different than what you would use for mortgage qualification. Um, I had one recently where the payment was $1,600 a month, mm-hmm. which was actually greater than the client's mortgage payment. Yeah, I saw that once on a, it was a, a fancy new pickup truck. Yeah. And I went, you better be living in this thing for that, <laughs> that car payment, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right? actually a really good, good thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> Are well, you living got a, in it? Because yeah, you're paying a, a mortgage car, on it. Not a house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that budgeting piece is really important because that also talks uh, to the point about how people get into trouble. Because if you don't know that you're spending yeah. too much, then you just don't know until you realize it at the end of the year and it's potentially a little bit too late. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's well, and Mindy, you said living within your means and it's hard. To, it's hard to do that if you don't know what your means are. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. That's usually like the, the first place I tell people to start. Look at your budget. So many times, how much you spend on this? I don't know. How much you spend on that? I don't know. Well, maybe that's part of the problem. Then. And I've seen so many times where we go through their their expenses and we go, this looks like you should have a $2,000 surplus each month. So something's not adding up here. Like you should be able to manage this on your own. So why are you coming to me? Like something doesn't add up here. So let's dive into it a bit further. That's a really interesting piece. And my, my brain is firing on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. Just that whole, the whole credit management piece and looking at your budget and the yeah. revenue and expenses. I'm not an accountant, but it, it's uh, interesting to see how the numbers move around. And a lot of times it's maybe something the debtor's not thinking of, mm-hmm. but you know, a lot of gambling. Well, I gamble every once in a while, but it's not that much. You add it up. It's $2,000 a month. Right. You, like, once you start writing it down, you go, oh, shoot, this is a lot more than I thought it was. Which is probably why a lot of people don't oh, yeah. want to do the mm-hmm. exercise right. because you know, it's you, fearful. If you're afraid to look at your bank statement, maybe that's a good, <laughs> good sign. Maybe good you need, sign. To, you need yeah. to do a reconciliation. I mean, it's, it's a similar approach to weight loss or getting oh, yeah. your, your, your body healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Write it down. Write down what you're eating. If you're afraid to go on the scale, maybe right. it's a good time to go for a jog. <laughs> so let's say someone has gotten themselves into mm-hmm. a bit of trouble. Uh, we talked a bit about consumer proposals yep. as kind of the first step. Yep. So tell us a little bit about what that is and why a person would, would want to use that. Yeah. So a consumer proposal is a debt solution administered under the Bankruptcy and Insolvency Act. And it's basically a legally binding debt management plan where you go, okay, I creditors, I agree to pay you this amount per month for a grand total of X to then pay off my debt. 
settle my debt, basically. So is it the entire debt amount or is it a reduced agreed yeah, to amount? Yeah, so a consumer proposal, you could do it for the entire debt amount, but typically it's for cents on the dollar. So 20 cents on each dollar, 30 cents on each dollar kind of thing. And it's all dependent on the amount of your assets and the amount of your income kind of depend, it would determine what the payment would be. So, I mean, that sounds pretty positive that yeah, you're only definitely. paying cents on the dollar. Mm -hmm. So what would be the negative of that? Yeah. So the negative is it does have an impact on your credit report, your credit rating. So it gets reported to the credit bureaus. It shows as an insolvency filing. So the debts while you're in the proposal switch to an R9 rating. I don't know if you guys have talked yeah. about the R ratings yet. Yeah. So it switches to an R9 rating while you're in the proposal. And then... Once you've completed the proposal, you made all your payments, then the debt becomes extinguished, and then it switches to an R7 credit rating. So it shows as a, I think, debt consolidation, debt management, and it would stay on there for a further three years after the proposal is completed. So it does, it follows you. It does, yeah. But the, the long-term impacts are a lot more beneficial than if you went through a bankruptcy. And that was my next question yeah. is, is how does that lead into bankruptcy? And at what point does bankruptcy mm. make more sense? Yeah. So... Nowadays, it seems like most people, we can steer them into a consumer proposal. The people I'd be steering into a bankruptcy would be ones if they're on a very limited income, under $2,000 a month, or they just have an insane amount of debt where to do 20 cents on the dollar, you're doing a crazy high proposal payment. So then a bankruptcy is a lot quicker and simpler. And what a bankruptcy entails is you basically declaring yourself insolvent, saying, hey, creditors, I can't meet my debts as they become due. So I'm going to file this bankruptcy through the Bankruptcy and Insolvency Act. The trustee is going to then step into my shoes in regards to maybe some of my assets and then to oversee my income and expenses. And in return for that, it's going to have a detrimental impact on my credit rating, but all my debt's going to be extinguished or most of my debt's going to be extinguished. Mm -hmm. And how long does that stay on the bureau for? I mean, the bankruptcy filing shows on there forever. It shows that you did a bankruptcy, the debts show as an R9 for while you're in the bankruptcy term, which is anywhere from nine months to 21 to 36 months. It all depends on your situation. And then it stays on there for a further uh, six years. I think after, so for the bureaus that we pull, yeah. after six or seven years, whatever point it falls off in that window, Really, we, we see a gap in the timing, but we don't see the actual word bankruptcy. Once, once it's fallen off, it's fallen off. Mm -hmm. There are some lenders that will not um, mm -hmm. work with clients that have had a previous bankruptcy. And I remember sometime in the past 10 years, there was actually a client where it was discovered at signing that they yes. had had a previous bankruptcy, yeah. um, like when they were at the lawyer's office signing mm -hmm. their mortgage documents. Mm -hmm. So definitely something good to disclose when you're going through that mortgage yeah. process. If you've had a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal and it's beyond that six, seven years, then disclose it to your mortgage broker because it, it is important to know. Yeah. And I think on the cred most credit applications, it says right on there, have you been bankrupt before, right? Mm -hmm. So you need yeah. to answer that honestly because it could have a detrimental impact in being able to acquire a home, right? You yeah. get to the lawyer's office to sign the closing documents and then someone backs out because of this bankruptcy, you could be out tons of money. Could be. Yeah, yep. for sure. So it sounds like uh, <clears throat> both the consumer proposal and the bankruptcy are ways to essentially provide a reset. So we're yep. trying to essentially say, we're going to stop the bleeding. We're going to fix it by 
using these techniques to help move it forward. There's mm-hmm. going to be a bit of a, a detrimental yep. impact in the short term, but long term, your credit rating will come back. Yeah, exactly. And so for younger individuals, I would be strongly encouraging them to find a way to get into a proposal versus bankruptcy. Just the, the long-term impacts are a lot more uh, less severe, if you will. Uh, another reason why you'd want to do a proposal over a bankruptcy if you're a younger individual is if you get into financial difficulty in the future, 20 years down the road, that is a second time bankruptcy, which has even more detrimental impacts versus if you did a bankruptcy at this point when you're in your 30s and or did a proposal when you're in your 30s, then in 20 years when you're in financial difficulty, then it's just a first time bankruptcy at that point. Can you have mortgage, like a mortgage loan as part of a consumer proposal? You mean as in consolidating it as part of the proposal? Yeah, because no. it seems like that would be a huge consumer proposal, the mortgage debt. Yeah, so, that would so typically... a consumer proposal, the Insolvency Act says the debts have to be under 250000 excluding the principal mortgage okay. or mortgage on a principal residence. So areas where we come into issue with that is, okay, I have a mortgage, but it's on a rental property. So I'm not actually living in the home. So then we have to factor that into their total debt load. We can't exclude that because it's technically not their principal residence. In that case, it would have to be a bankruptcy then? No, there's another option. It's a Division One proposal. It's another type of proposal administered under the Bankruptcy and Insolvency Act. It's just usually a lot more costly and there's more risk involved. If a Division One proposal, we can't get it successfully accepted by the creditors, then you're automatically deemed to be bankrupt versus if you can't make a proposal work, you can just withdraw it and kind of no harm, no foul. One more question, apparently. This is a very interesting topic for me. So you've had a consumer proposal, you've had a bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. What are the next steps to get you back Mm -hmm. on track? Yeah, so I mean, first step is to request a formal copy of your credit report from both TransUnion and Equifax. It seems half the lenders use one, the other half use the other. So you want to make sure that everything's showing the same information. You want to make sure that all the debts that were included in the respective debt plan are now showing as closed, balance zero. And then you want to maybe, you know, dip your toe in the waters of obtaining new credit. So my starting recommendation is to get a a credit card with a low, low limit and just use it for one type of ongoing expense that you would otherwise be outlaying cash for. So groceries, gas, something like that, and just put it on the credit card and then kind of pay it off right away. Don't let it uh, accumulate. And by having the low, low limit, something that's easy to pay off each month, you can, it's, it's harder to get into trouble with it. And that's a great, a great piece of advice that you give to clients is to start with that yeah. one credit card. What's really important from the mortgage perspective is that after that consumer proposal or bankruptcy, that there are no derogatory hits on your credit bureau. So you're not going to miss any more payments. Mm-hmm. If you miss a payment after a, a big event, such mm-hmm. as a consumer mm-hmm. proposal or a bankruptcy, that's going to hit your credit even harder. And I think it's more scrutinized by the lenders for sure. They're yeah. looking for it. Yeah, they they understand, okay, this is why you did the proposal or bankruptcy. You were in difficulty and you used it to get out of difficulty. But if you're getting right back into the cycle of of debt, well, I wouldn't want to work with them, right? I wouldn't want to lend to them. Mm -hmm. Right. Can you give us a couple of case studies? Mm -hmm. Positive, interesting. (laughs) I mean, every week I hear this, I 
have a client reach out and going, I think bankruptcy is my only option. I don't know what else to do. And we talk, talk through their their plan and we find a way to get them into a consumer proposal, 100 bucks a month for five years. They're just completely elated, happy, and they it's easy to fit into their budget. They thought that bankruptcy was their only option and they then realized, hey, proposal is actually a great, a great way to get out of my debt. And after five years, they're, they're debt free and they're able to kind of carry on with their life. I, I'm, I'm, those are the ones I'm most pleased about because it's people that think, you know, I'm at the, I'm at the bottom. I couldn't get any worse. You know, I'm going to be bankrupt. This is humiliating. And no, no, you're, you're doing just fine. We, we can, we can make it, make this work. How important do you think, and this is a very leading question, <laughs> maybe I'll rephrase it. Financial literacy is becoming more and more important, um, especially through high school and college. Yeah. You know, I've done presentations in the last quarter of the year, last few months, um, to RMT students who are graduating, just talking about mm -hmm. um, credit and, you know, what, what you need to build and how you need to be claiming your income mm -hmm. and, and all of those details in order to obtain mortgages in the future. Um, what's my question in there? Mm -hmm. There's a question in there. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're you're, yeah. <laughs> you're saying how like, why we need to get it, to why years, it's right? important to learn financial financial literacy tips and tricks. It's insane to me that in high school we don't learn about income tax returns right. when it's something that every single one of us is going to be required to do if we're going to earn an income. Mm -hmm. It should be mandatory education in high school, along with credit, because it seems like nowadays the cost of everything is going up. And the only way to obtain, you know, the latest and greatest stuff on a fixed income is to put it on credit. Mm -hmm. And so we need to be teaching our younger individuals how to be responsible with credit. Right, how to manage that mm -hmm. for sure. Anything else, guys? Is there anything else that you think is important to, to talk about? Yeah, like the, the big thing I want to stress is it's never too early to come talk to someone like myself. I have no issues telling someone, I can't help you. You're doing just fine on your own. Just keep going or referring you to somewhere else. I would rather you do that versus waiting a year, struggling for a year before you come see me because now we're a year farther that you could already be a year into a debt solution and be one year kind of quicker to being debt free. So it's never too early to come talk to someone. Can you tell us just a little bit about, about BDO and how easy it is to approach? Yeah, so we're a national insolvency firm. And so nowadays we're doing a lot of stuff remotely. So my area of coverage is really the entire province of British Columbia. And I also do the Yukon Territory. And you can just reach out to us through our website. I think now we have online chat capabilities. So you can chat live with a representative or make an appointment. And usually it's quite quickly, like same day, next day kind of thing, just for a free um, free consultation, just to chat about the different options for you. That's great, actually, because most of my clients are still in the Yukon. That's yeah, where I'm there from. You go. So nice. there you go. So I'll just be sure to put the website maybe in the write-up and the episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the show notes. <laughs> we talk about it enough. I probably should actually do it. For sure. <laughs> where are these notes? <laughs> so that's fantastic. So we've, we've just to give you a, a, a summary, we've talked about credit, about the establishment of credit, about how people potentially get into trouble, ways around it. <laughs> I'm sorry, my favorite pen just ran out of ink and I'm really sad oh. right now. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. 
I'm sorry, Pete. That was a really great. I'm just going to cut that whole just, thing. Can you, can you I'm not going to cut any of it. Just, can you just lick it? Yeah. <laughs> There's got to be a little bit of a drop or something left in there. It's such a good pen. Oh, that's uh, so we, yeah, I, I think the, the real summary to this is that keep an open mind and, and come and chat with yeah. people that are within the credit counseling industry. Mm-hmm. So that could be your mortgage broker, that could be an insolvency trustee, but ask the questions and be open and upfront about what your scenario is, because there's always a solution. Yes. That's a theme. There is always a solution. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. is. Chris, thanks so much for your time today. No problem. Anytime. Yes, thanks. It was awesome. This is The Mortgage Life. We look forward to continuing the conversation. So come back and listen.